invite you to take your Bible and find Philippians 4, Philippians chapter 4. Well, you know, on this day when phone calls are going to be made and visits uh, uh, conducted and gifts given and all these different remembrances on this Mother's Day, today I can't help but think about something that often, well, it really is an issue that all of us face. But in particular, I can't help but think that parents... And mothers, fathers also, but mothers especially, I, I, will, I hope that you'll see a word of hope and encouragement from Philippians chapter 4 today. Because today I want to talk to you a little bit about winning over worry. And uh, you know, I know all of us have worries, but it seems that oftentimes when parenthood comes upon us, that worry is an occupational hazard of parenthood, Amen. I mean, some of you in here, I look across this room, a number of you are probably grandparents. And even as grandparents, it doesn't change. I mean, maybe one of the, one of the things that helps you is you have time and you have perspective. And one of the things that you probably have come to understand is that, you know what, certain things that used to be a big deal when you were maybe a parent, now as a grandparent, there is not as big of a deal. That's time, that's perspective. Some might even call that wisdom. But for all of us in this room, and perhaps maybe for a friend that you want to talk with afterwards, and even for those of you that could be children or youth or young, younger folks, or you don't have any children at all, I, have, I imagine there are days when you struggle with worry. And, uh, and I was reminded of, reminded of this the other day. I was turning to television channels, and all of a sudden came upon this scene. It was, a, it was a scene of destruction in New York City. And I don't know where I'd been, but evidently it hit me. I thought, well, I guess I didn't pay attention to the news. It showed just all of this, you know, this major, like this tsunami and earthquake and all these natural disasters. And then it goes to another scene, and it's in another major city. And I just began to wonder, what on earth is going on? And I, and I became worried, and I thought, wow, you know, what is happening in this world? And then all of a sudden, then they loop into the commercial side of it, and what they were doing is they were advertising a new television show on the Weather Channel called It Could Happen Tomorrow. And come to find out, all of what they were showing, all those storms and destruction, it was all made up. It's all just a show, just a what if this could happen tomorrow. And the reality is this, it hit me, I thought, man, I don't need any made up storms. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need a television show that goes up there and tries to conjure up stuff to worry about. I don't know about you, but I do a pretty good job on my own coming up with what to worry about. Reminds me of something I read about with, if you were to travel to the Greek island of Naxos on the Aegean Sea, I've read that you would arrive there and you would see Greek men, young and old alike, uh, sitting there nervously fingering strings of what are called worry beads. I don't know if you've got your worry beads out, worrying. Worrying is also a favorite pastime of Americans. If we don't worry, we worry why we don't worry. And when we worry, we worry that we worry too much. Amen? And at all ages, we can find things to worry about. At age four, we worry about the darkness. 
At age 14, we worry about acceptance. At age 24, we worry about our career and marriage. At age 34, opportunity. At age 44, we worry about life offering more. At age 54, we worry about a career change. At age 64, we worry about filling the days. At age 74, we worry about the lack of days. At age 84, we worry about the length of days. And I've, and I've heard that at age 94, we worry that we've worried our life away. So I want you to know today, how do you win over worry? E. Stanley Jones, a theologian, wrote this, quote, worry is the interest we pay on tomorrow's troubles. Did you get that? Worry is the interest we pay on tomorrow's troubles. So Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. Listen to God's word today. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And here's the promise. And the God of peace will be with you. Parents need to know that the God of peace is with them. Men and women, boys and girls, you need to know that the God of peace is with you. And so today I want you to see from this chapter of the Bible, from these verses, really what I want to call three tactics for winning over worry. All right, so let's pray. Father, I pray right now that you would indeed, Lord, take these your Bible verses, Lord, and help our heart and our spirit and our minds to be open to them. And Lord, I pray that indeed you would help us to grab a hold of these tactics so that indeed, Lord, you can show us that it's your will for us to win over worry and to not be paralyzed by fear and anxiety. Lord, I pray the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart will be pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord, you are my rock and my redeemer. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. And amen. You may want to take a pen out and fill out the little fill-in-the-blank sermon note page or jot these down in a note app on your phone or, or jot these down in your Bible or simply underline them as we study this scripture. Because first of all, here's, your, here's, here's the number one tactic in verse four. It says rejoice in the Lord always. You ought to underline that. That's your number one tactic right there. Doesn't take with so much explaining. Rejoice in the Lord always, Paul says. Now, it's interesting because of where Paul would have, would have been writing this from. This is considered one of his prison letters. What that means is this, is Paul was literally in prison being guarded by a jailer when the Spirit of God inspires him to write these verses. So understand this, while he's in prison, he actually writes, rejoice in the Lord always. You get that? Now look around here, and none of us are in a literal prison. 
Now, you may feel like you've got some walls closing in around you. You, you may have some concerns. You may have some worries about things. And, it, and it's as if sometimes the room feels like it's shrinking in on you. Well, listen to this. Paul didn't have to imagine. It wasn't just his emotion. The Apostle Paul quite literally is in a prison being persecuted for his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has a guard right there watching his every move. He could only eat what they gave him. He could only go where they told him. He had no freedom at this point in his life. He's in prison. And yet Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. And then it's like he says, listen, I know I probably need to repeat myself. And so he says, again, I will say, rejoice, rejoice. The idea here is that we can rejoice in spite of our outside circumstances. Notice, it, it, the, Bible, the Bible does not say this. I mean, preachers, we tell you what the Bible says, but I think it's important sometimes to point out what it doesn't say. The Bible here does not say rejoice always. Rejoice always. In the middle, there's a phrase, isn't there? Do you see it? Do you see the phrase between the word rejoice and the word always? Do you see the phrase? What does it say in the Bible? In the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. How do you rejoice? Say it with me. In the Lord. That was practice, all right? How do you rejoice? In the Lord. You rejoice in the Lord always. You see, you see listen, the Bible here isn't saying, well, you rejoice over your circumstances. No, Paul points out the object and the reason and the rationale for our rejoicing. We rejoice always because we're in the Lord. You rejoice in the Lord. When you look at the over 100 verses of this, this brief, small book of the Bible, Philippians, over and over and over again, you could do this study on your own. You could just, you ought to sit down sometime. It, won't, it really would not take you very long. You could do this this week. You could start there, Philippians 1.1, and you can read all the way through the book of Philippians, the letter of Philippians in one time, in one setting. And if, when you read through it, I encourage you to take a highlighter or an ink pen or a pencil, and, and every time you see the word Jesus or the word Christ or the word Lord or a pronoun referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, you ought to underline it or circle it. You would be amazed at how over and over and over again in the letter of Philippians, Paul is just simply pointing back to the Lord Jesus. You see, Paul understood that a tactic for his survival, for him to be able to deal with the reality that he was even in a prison, that he was being persecuted, that he was experiencing pain and suffering, that he had so many things to worry about. I mean, no doubt he was worried about the churches that he had planted. He was worried about his Christian brothers and sisters. He could have been worried about his family. Yet he says, number one tactic, rejoice in the Lord always. Matthew 28, 20 says, the Lord Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Psalm 5, 11, but let all who take refuge in you, the Lord, rejoice. Nehemiah 8, 10, that the joy of the Lord is your strength. So mark it down today, loved ones. The number one tactic to winning over worry is rejoicing in the Lord always. He writes on and he says in verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, there's so many things you can get anxious about, so many things that you can worry about. You could probably make your list 
of worries, of things that you're anxious about. And certainly as parents, there are so many things that can concern us. How's this going to turn out for my child? What's happening to them at school? I think, about, I think about all the things that can press in upon us as parents, the worries of life. And it's true for every single one of us. But I want you to understand that really, worrying is not worth it. Just hold your place right there in Philippians 4 if you can. And just, I'm going to turn back over to Matthew 6. Because see, the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus speaks very directly to the subject of worry. The Lord Jesus told those who were following him in his very famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 6, verse 25 and following, hear the words of the Lord recorded. He said, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about what? About your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Then he gives an illustration. He says, hey, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, of, are you not of more value than they? Of course we are. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? You see, what I want you to understand here is, first of all, really, worry is worthless. He points out, he's, you know, the Lord Jesus says, listen, worrying doesn't do you any good. That's why Paul writes this in, in Philippians 4, to be anxious over nothing. But also what you find here is, look at verse 32 in Matthew 6. Listen, listen to this, not only is worry worthless, but I want you to understand this, worrying is wrong. Verse 32 of Matthew 6, for the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The Lord Jesus says, listen, man, it's the Gentiles. It's those who don't know the Lord. It's the pagans. It's those who have no hope or trust in Christ. They're the ones that ought to be worrying. But not you, not you. I mean, what if the Lord Jesus were here right now and he was speaking to you and me? He would say, listen, why are you worrying? You just, you just had your children get up and sing praises. You just listened to a choir sing praises. You just, gave, you just gave money. You just gave tithes and offerings unto the Lord. You stood up and you sang songs of praise. Praise him, praise him, praise him. And now you're listening to the word of God. Why are you worrying? <laughs> Worrying is worthless. Worrying is wrong. So if you go back to Philippians 4, so if we're not to worry, here's your second tactic. If we're not to worry, what are we to do? Here it is. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. Worry about nothing, but pray about everything. It's interesting. Paul says in verse 6 of Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything. And he says this, but in everything, say everything. 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 It's like sometimes we say, well, well, you know, I don't know if I, want, if I should bother the Lord with that. This is a, this, I don't know if this is a big enough deal. Just let me just ask you, sir, for just a moment, if you would pardon me. Just what on earth do you think is a bigger deal to God? Then we're talking about the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the one who created the stars and the universe and the mountains. But it's like in our human finite minds, we'll say, well, you know what? If it really gets serious, then I'll talk to the Lord. 
Understand this. God wants you to know you could come to him about everything. So madam, I would suggest a tactic to winning over worry is worry about nothing, but pray about everything. Can't help but be reminded of a humorous illustration of this. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you or not, but I remember this movie, The Castaway, with Tom Hanks in it. Put this picture up there. I don't know if you remember this. It was kind of, to be honest with you, in a way, kind of a boring movie because all it was was Tom Hanks, who's a very accomplished actor, spending about the whole movie talking to a volleyball. Because he's stranded on this island, you know, if you remember the movie. And he's there and he's talking to the volleyball. And he names him, very appropriately, what? Wilson. He names him Wilson. As I was studying this passage, it occurred to me that throughout that entire full-length motion picture, I spent my time and my money watching Tom Hanks have a conversation with the volleyball. But why I pointed out to you is simply this, is throughout that whole movie, as he was dealing with so many concerns and so many worries, he talks to a volleyball and never once in that movie does the director or the script writer have Tom Hanks' character cued to talk to the Lord. He talks to a volleyball. He talks to a volleyball instead of the Lord. And I think the Lord would say to us, listen, be anxious about nothing, worry about nothing, pray about everything, pray about everything. You know, the idea of worry, our English word worry comes from a German word, vergen, and it literally means to choke or to strangle, and that's what worry does to us. So that's why Paul says, listen, listen, pray. And there are really three different words describing prayer given here in, the new, here in this passage in the New Testament. Do not be anxious about anything, but by everything in prayer, prayer, then he says supplication, and then he says thanksgiving. Now prayer is kind of the general word for prayer, making your requests known to God. Everything from adoring God to de- being devoted to God to worshiping God, we just find ourselves, just, just worship the Lord, talk to the Lord, praise him. And but then the word supplication, you see the word almost supply in the word supplication, that's when we talk to the Lord about our needs, about our problems. There's no problem too big for God's power or too small for God's concern. Remember that. Did you get that? No problem too big for God's power or too small for his concern. James 4, 2, we studied through the book of James earlier in the winter. It says this, you have not because you ask not. 1 Peter 5, 7 teaches us to unload our worries on the Lord. So there's prayer, there's supplication, and then there's thanksgiving. Often we're quick to ask, but slow to appreciate. That's why 1 Thessalonians 5.18 reminds us, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Beware, loved ones, of the sin of unthankfulness. Romans 1.21 points out, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. So many times, I'm just not thankful, perhaps, in my life. So tactic number one, rejoice in the Lord always. Tactic number two, to remember on this Mother's Day, is worry about nothing, pray about everything. All right? And then he tells us in verse seven, and then this is what's gonna happen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts. That's a military term. It's the idea of a sentry being on duty, and Paul, as he was in prison, no doubt as he was writing this, I can imagine him looking at his prison door and seeing that prison guard standing there guarding him and he's and he's thinking just as that guard is guarding me the Lord is guarding me 
the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. But then finally, I want to point out to you, there's a critical battlefield that takes place here. And sometimes in church, rightly so, we talk a lot about the soul and our spirit. But I want you to understand that there is a tremendous tremendous battleground that you brought in here with you today. And it's the battleground between my two ears. It's my mind. There's constantly a battle going on in my mind. You want to know what's so nefarious about my mind is this. It's, oh, yes, I can put on a nice suit of clothes. I can brush my hair. I can brush my teeth. I can come in and I can have some words prepared to speak to you. I can even practice having a nice expression on my face. But what none of you have the ability to do is to look inside my mind and to know what's going on in my mind right now. The mind is a very serious battlefield. And that's why Paul then says this. Finally, finally, finally. Now I've talked to you about prayer. You expected that, right? Talked about rejoicing, praising the Lord. You probably expected that, right? But now I, want to, I want to remind you of something here. Verse eight, finally, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, look at what he says at the end of verse eight. Think about these things. And then he says it again. The God of peace will be with you. So you see, the third tactic to winning over worry, rejoice in the Lord always, pray about everything. But here's, here's the third tactic. It's right here. Think about the right things. And he lists them. You can study this on your own. Whatever's true. God's word is truth. Whatever's honorable, honest, noble. Don't put trash in your mind, sir. Whatever is just. Whatever's pure, morally clean, free from contamination. Lovely or loving. It means sweet and gracious and patient. Getting along with others. Pleasing and pleasant. Don't be a jerk. (laughs) Commendable. Good repute. He says, fill your mind with these things. You see, it's not enough for me to simply ask you to not think about wrong things. Do a little experiment with you. Right now, I do not want you to think about submarines. (laughs) What's the problem, G? You're thinking about submarines? Do not think about submarines. Do not think about submarines coming out of the water. Do not think about big, big Navy submarines. Do not think about yellow submarines. Do not think about submarines. Do not think about submarines. Are you thinking about submarines? Do not think about submarines. How's that working for you? Is that hard? Now, what if I asked you to think about dandelions guys let me help you out red bmws um football teams if i began to tell you to think about other things even though you might have a submarine in your mind as you begin to think about something else it'll begin to push that out of your mind won't it you begin to put something else in there it pushes it out the apostle paul is not a neurologist but he seems to be an expert on the human mind he says listen I'm not going to just tell you what not to think about. I'm going to tell you what to think about. You see, you have to think about something. You cannot put your mind simply in neutral. 
You can't just empty your mind of the bad. We must refill our mind with the good. Isaiah 26, 3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Matthew 9, 4, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, asked, why do you think evil in your hearts? You see, he knows our minds. And that's why Matthew twenty two thirty seven Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You want to know how to do that? Joshua 1.8 tells us that the book of the law shall not depart from my mouth, but I shall meditate on it. I shall think about it day and night. That's why verse 9 says this. Look at this. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. The God of peace will be with you. That's when we begin to take the word of God and we begin to put it into practice. So let's just review. Tactic number one, rejoice in the Lord always. Tactic number two, worry about nothing, pray about everything. And tactic number three, you need to think, and this, think about the right things. You know, I, uh, last night, my wife and I, we, had, we, we went down and saw our neighbors. And, and they are new grandparents. And uh, they, don't, they don't look old enough to be grandparents, whatever that would be, but they don't, man. And, and, and their firstborn daughter has just given birth to this little boy and her and her husband were there visiting for Mother's Day and they invited us down to see the baby. We'd only seen pictures. And man, he's just a month old and he was just perfect looking in every way. And you couldn't help but, but, but as parents ourselves of three children and our tr- three children now, we've been blessed to see them growing up and maturing and experiencing so many things in life. And so often as parents, we say, man, where did the time go? Our children grow up so fast. And then really, these new grandparents illustrated the point so dramatically. They, they brought down from their, room, from their room a picture. And in the picture, it was two pictures. On the left side, it was a picture of them when they were holding their first daughter, who's now a mom, when they were holding her as a newborn. And then the picture next to it, their grandparents now holding her newborn son. And the reality is this, is even though over two decades spans those two pictures, the needs still remain the same. The needs still remain the same. We still need the Lord in our lives. We still need to know we can rejoice in him always. We still have worries, and that's why we still need to pray to him. And that's why so often things can come into our minds because last night it seemed as if all they had to do was have a little pacifier and put that little guy on that little little uh, kind of stand he was sitting on there, a little footstool he was laying on, and he was cooing and looking around. Then all of a sudden, one day, I think about my own three children. One day they have a learner's permit. One day they're trying out for sports teams. One day they're making new friends at school. You see, loved ones, the bottom line is this, is, is so often we can find ourselves anxious, worrying. What's gonna happen now? So today, I wanna pray that today, whether you're a mom or not, that you'll receive the gift of God's peace in your life. Would you stand with me and bow your heads in prayer? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus to become the guardian 
of your life to be the one who can bring peace in your life, won't you come forward? Maybe you just have a, you need to come and kneel and pray. Praying for a prodigal child that's now a grown person living on the other side of the country and you haven't heard from him in a long time. Maybe you have a burden because you've never been able to have a child and you just come and pray and just give that to the Lord and ask him to give you eyes to see the opportunities before you perhaps, to give you a peace. Maybe you want to pray for that neighbor kid down the street who just drives you nuts. Just pray that God might use you to be a beacon of hope and truth and grace in his life. But if you're today and you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord, Brother Andy's going to be down front. Won't you come forward and just tell them, Brother Andy, I I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Confess Jesus today as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're ready to unite with this church family as a church member. We could talk with you about that. Andy will be down front. I want to pray for you right now. Lord, I pray for each mom in this room, Lord, that you'll just grant her abundant peace today. Lord, I pray, Lord, for all of us here, that all of us would understand that you want us to put our faith and our trust in you and not to find ourselves trapped in the prison of worry. But Lord, help us to rejoice in you. Help us to pray about everything, Lord. Help us to think about the right things. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.